Great. Good afternoon, everyone. My name is Jennifer West. I'm the Artistic Director of Muse West Concerts, and I am here in Vancouver. And I would like to welcome you to another episode of Take Note. Our honored guests today are the fantastic Rolston String Quartet, and they are currently quarantined together in Toronto. <laughs> and um, before we begin our podcast or our, our live chat today, I want to acknowledge that this podcast is being recorded on the unceded, traditional, and stolen lands of the Coast Salish nations of Musqueam, Tsleil-Waututh, and Squamish. And I believe... Um, I checked quickly that the Rolston Quartet are based on the traditional territories of the Algonquin people in Toronto. So uh, we acknowledge that we conduct our concerts and um, <clears throat> our educational activities as settlers on this land. And there's been music here since time immemorial. So we hope to continue that tradition. And now I'd like to introduce my guests. Welcome to the Rolston String Quartet. How's it going today, everybody? Good. Going great. Fantastic. We're going to start with the lower voices and introduce themselves, <laughs> and then we'll move to the, the high voices. So, Yoshi, you're up first. Can you give us your name, and what do you play? All right. Hi, my name's Yoshi, and I'm the cellist of the RSQ. We have Yoshi the cellist. Fantastic. And who's next in our order of strings? Hi, my name is Hez, and I'm the violist of the quartet. And Hez is representing Maple Ridge, BC. <laughs> Woo! And we have a, a very new addition to the Rolston Quartet, someone who I had the pleasure of meeting in 2016, Jason. I'm Jason Isaacson, the second violinist of the Rolston Quartet. Fantastic. And last but not least, my very good friend. Who do we have left? I'm Hillary. Uh, I play the violin. Oh, I play the first violin. <laughs> <laughs> And Lori is a violinist for the Wilson String Quartet as well. So my first question, um, the quartet, some of the members of the quartet know me pretty well. And they know that string quartet music is really special to me um, because I really think it is one of the highest art forms that we have. What about string quartet playing makes it particularly intimate or fulfilling? Well... For me personally, I think um, quartet is super satisfying as, first of all, an inner voice. Um, I, you know, as a violist, it's amazing to be in a quartet, to be able to really, you know, fill out the harmonies and, and kind of secretly play the, the inner lines. And, and I think, you know, what's so amazing about it is just having four individual voices coming together and trying to unify our ideas and sounds and I think that's just, you know, an incredible experience. And I'm sure you, you, you love, that's what you love about quartet as well. I do. I like that all of the voices get a, get a turn. Uh, we should ask another lower string that question. Yoshi, why is it awesome to play in a quartet as a cellist? Well, I mean, just simply, I think quartet is perhaps the most intimate sort of form of chamber music. Um, there's something about the, the sound when you when you get four string instruments to to sounding like one instrument. There's that magic that really happens that you you can't really find in any other form of chain music. I would argue. So. Yeah, that's that's the magic. And our violinists, why why would you choose quartet over Tchaikovsky and Brahms concerto? <laughs> or maybe you can have both. But why why quartet? <laughs> um. 
<laughs> for for me right now, I think the thing I'm I'm really obsessed with um, is the idea of rhetoric and conversation in music making, and I think that exists in all of the forms of music that we have down to, you know, playing as a soloist. If you're playing solo Bach or something, it, it exists there too. But I think in the string quartet format, it's, it's sort of found its, uh, I like to think it's kind of found its perfect little ecosystem of conversation between, uh, you know, low voices and high voices. And, and so I, I really, I really admire that, that part of the string quartet writing. And that's what I really love about it. And Lurie, how about you? What, what's the magic of being in a quartet? Uh, they had a, such a good answer, so I don't know if <laughs> 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 my answer will do anything. Um, just um, like I always think that like a string quartet is unique in a way that it's literally like it, out of 100, I think it's like 25, 25, 25, 25, kind of like, and it has to come and meet in this way. And then other... I, mean, I don't want to talk about other like ensemble, but I think it's 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 you have to really like like really meet in the equal way to make the the like the gem of it, and I think that's really unique, and then I think it's amazing, and then the repertoire is amazing. <laughs> it's very true, <laughs> very true. So we have um, we have we have two new two very new additions to the Rolston Quartet. And yes, Lurie is pointing to these fantastic new additions to the quartet. Um, but before before we talk about that, Hez, how cool is it to play that entering melody in the American String Quartet by Dvorak? How cool is it that that's your turn? It's amazing, because everyone gets to listen to me. <laughs> <laughs> I listen to him anyway, but... <laughs> Oh, it must be a bit scary, too. <laughs> um, so, Jason and Yoshi, you just recently joined the quartet. How did you feel when you were able to finally give this news? And how did you feel about, like, finalizing this? And, wow, this is going to happen. What were your emotions? Yeah, I mean, it's it's been... It's been Oh, an amazing feeling. I, I've known these guys for a long time. Um, I think we were we were at the Norfolk Festival together um, when I first met them, um, the the Rolson Quartet, and and we were all preparing for the Banff competition where I think I met you, Jennifer. Um, and uh, I remember hearing them play their first concert, and I was like, "Oh, these guys are definitely going to win." And I, I told you know friends of mine that at the time, and. Um, I was in the competition too, so I like being proven right, but I also, you know, was a little jealous. Um, <laughs> so I'm really glad that I get to be on, uh, you know, future journeys with them, and I've admired them for such a long time, um, you know, and it's it's nice. I mean, it, it seems almost uh, uh, hackneyed to say, but, um, you know, it's nice to play chamber music with your friends. So uh, yeah, I'm really grateful. It is nice to play chamber music with your friends. I just started a piano cello duo and with a very good friend. And we're even friends after playing together, which, <laughs> which is a start. <laughs> Yoshi, how about you? How did you feel? Like, you've been based in L.A., uh, teaching there, um, and you've been involved with Sakura. Is that correct? I think we talked about that when we met before on Zoom. So how did you feel about, like, you're joining this quartet now? What were your emotions? Yeah, no, it's, 
look, my, my journey with, with them is not, hasn't been as long as uh, has been for, for Jason. But, um, you know, I mean, it was, honestly, it's been a long time coming since we first played together. And, um, you know, it, there's been such, such, uh, such a genuine approach to music, I think. And that, that's, for me, the, the, the most attractive point that I, I first felt when I, when I first played with them. And then, you know, and just now I'm just, yeah, very excited to, to get on this journey. I've learned a lot um, and I'm sure I'll continue to learn much more um, from playing with these fantastic musicians. So I'm very, very excited. That's fantastic. So everybody gets to answer this one. What's your favorite Beethoven string quartet? It's his big birthday year. Um, and I, I think he's like sending us a message with this pandemic. He's like, oh, don't worry about me. <laughs> I'm still around. <laughs> Take care of yourselves. It's just so weird that this big year for him, it, it actually kind of makes sense somehow. But what's your favorite uh, Beethoven quartet? We'll start with Lurie. What's your favorite one from Beethoven? Mm, my favorite <laughs> Beethoven quartet. Oh, yeah, you have to pick an only one. <laughs> And she hasn't told us yet, so we're all we're all curious to hear. I'm, I don't know. I you know different phase comes and goes, but right now I'm I maybe probably say uh, 127, which is like mm-hmm. amazing, like E flat chords and yeah, it's and true. It's a, a really gorgeous uh, slow movement that always like gets me. <laughs> Hits you in the feels, <laughs> for sure. Jason, what's your favorite Beethoven quartet? Uh, it's been my answer for a long time now, so I'm I'm still waiting to be convinced otherwise. But my favorite is 135, Opus 135, the last uh, quartet. So um, I like that it stands out amongst the late Beethoven. Um, that it's in this style that is so succinct. Um, that he sort of ends the quartet, uh, his quartet writing on. Um, a positive note, I think, is a really it's, it has a sort of positive feeling to it. With all with all the late uh, with all the late quartets and the journey that we go on, I feel like one thirty five is such a such an interesting ending, and and I I love it a lot. So that's my favorite. A great choice, Hez. What about you? Um, it's a difficult question. <laughs> um, I guess. I really like uh, Opus 59, number two, actually, um, just because it's, first of all, gnarly. And it's, it's, it's fun to play. The last movement is, a, you know, a lot of fun and audiences love that movement. And of course, the beautiful slow movement is just incredible, timeless and just a, a masterpiece. But I also love the cavatina from the 130, so it's hard to decide which. Somebody which has to say the cavatina. <laughs> Definitely. And what about Yoshi? What is your favorite Beethoven quartet? I mean, it's honestly really difficult for me, so I'm just going to say 59 1 because that's what we're working on. And <laughs> the piece you're playing should be your favorite. I mean, I don't know. I'm sorry, can I change the <laughs> Yeah, that's a good answer. <laughs> <laughs> you know, a lot of people say their favorite music is what they're working on right now. Um, and I think if we keep that passion and keep enjoying the music we're working on right now, that that's, that's probably a good attitude to take. So I, I definitely agree. Which leads me to my next question. 
What are you working on right now? What are you rehearsing currently? So, <laughs> I just got kicked to answer, just in case anyone's wondering. Um, so we are obviously we're working on <laughs> we're obviously working on the, the Opus Fifty Nine Number One, the First Razumovsky Beethoven Quartet. Uh, okay. But we are also uh, doing Haydn Rider right now. Um, what else? Uh, the Greek String Quartet, um, Ligeti One. And for the short term, that's it. But we've got some cool stuff coming up beyond that, which the others can answer more about because I'm still playing catch up. <laughs> are those are those virtual projects that the audience will be able to watch? There's going to be a lot of video for different presenters. So I think the I think the first of those is going to be CMS Detroit, right? Mm-hmm. Team Music Detroit, um, we'd have to check on the date, but we'll do two out of those uh, three pieces, the Haydn and the Greek for that. And then shortly after, we're going to add the Ligeti to that. So there'll be available video for all of that, and we'll make sure that it's um, you know, uh, on Facebook and everything so that your viewers can see it as well. Wonderful. And um, so if you were to pick a program you'd like to rehearse for the future, like if there were no stipulations... The quartet could program anything. What would you put on an album? What would your next album include? This time I'm only getting nudged and not kicked uh, to answer the question. So, uh, <laughs> yay, 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 here we go. Uh, Lurie's working on not kicking people today. <laughs> That's chamber music. Uh, don't kick your kick your other violinists. Um, so, no, no. Um, so we have a couple cool ideas. So for an album idea we have, we, we were looking at some folk-influenced music. So uh, we were thinking about putting that Ligeti Quartet with a Bartok, maybe Bartok yeah. 1 we were talking about, and also this piece by uh, Gabrielle and Lena Frank called Leyendas. Um, it's, a, it's a piece about um, Andean, traditional Andean music, um, and it's, uh, it's just... It's just great. So we we've purchased the music for that, and it's definitely a dream piece that we have that we want to kind of adapt to a couple um, different projects. So that's something we're really looking forward to to working on. Um, yeah. So that's that's a album idea we had, and we'll see. Uh, yeah. Cool. I love it. Has what would you say is the quartet's approach to coaching young chamber musicians and to education? Because. Um, you know, I've, I've talked to Yoshi about his cello teacher. Shout out to USC. <laughs> and Yoshi just has nothing but great things to say about his formation as a cellist there with his fantastic teacher. And I know, like, the quartet has been mentored by some excellent people at Glenn Gould School, both as individual players and as an ensemble. So um, now that it's your turn to help young musicians, um, what's your what's your approach to coaching and teaching? I think uh, for me personally, I don't know if I'm speaking for everyone, but um, I think it's important, first of all, that we inspire the young generation to get involved with chamber music, quartet. And at the same time, I think it's very important for them to understand actually um, what they're actually playing and what does you know it's you know it's like for myself it's really difficult in quartet there's so many notes and like what do we do with every note and you know it's almost like a a math puzzle or like a a journey where we have to figure out all the all the details and, and the landscape and stuff and I think it's really 
you know, in, in when I was uh, in school, you know, just joining a group, I would just be so happy to just play, you know, cool, wonderful, beautiful music. And, you know, but I didn't really understand what was happening in the score. And I think it's important for us to really guide the students to, to understand the score and, and, and also address a lot of uh, topics that, you know, young musicians tend to talk about, like, how do we play in tune? How do we play together? It's, I mean, we're still, you know, always constantly exploring and working on that, but it's, I think it's really nice and important for us to share that type of conversations that we have and the type of knowledge that we've learned over the years. Mm-hmm. I agree. And Yoshi, you and I talked a bit about you do some, you do, well, not some, you do a lot of teaching in California. Um, and what do you say, like, most young string players need to develop the most? What are they, what's kind of the ingredient that you hope to add through your coaching or teaching? Yeah, I think, um, and, and I think this is an ever developing concept, but I think it's that sense of, um, sound and, and listening to the, to the kind of nuances that you create in your sound I think that's you know a lot of kids nowadays can, can play really well you know I mean the level yes. of playing is, is going <laughs> higher at a much younger age um, but I think uh, perhaps in addition to that what, what, what could really benefit a lot of youngsters nowadays is, is, is a, a wider palette of colors in their sounds and uh, that comes from you know just hearing those colors first and so to be exposed to that I think is will benefit them so so much in, in their art. Yes it's active listening is so important for young musicians to to develop. Um, moving on to a different sort of stream of thought here in our awesome conversation together. Um, I wish we were having this conversation on the patio at Mac Lab. Next time, <laughs> next time. Um, there are a lot of string quartets out there. Um, a, a pianist friend of mine actually described it as a congested market. There are so many and really wonderful groups, um, to be quite honest. And so that sort of begs the question, what does the Rolston Quartet want to be known for? And how do you want to distinguish yourselves from other quartets that are out there? Marie's not kicking anyone. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah, you know, I, I don't know if I don't know if the goal should be to set us up, set us apart from others. I don't think that should be the the goal. You know, the goal is to is to pursue the music in in in, in the way we, in which we see it. Um, mm-hmm. So I think for us, I, one of the I think the biggest goal is to is to do that is to is to to be a messenger. Um, for how we see the music of the great composers, mm-hmm. but you know, sort of through our lens. Um, so I don't know if you want to add to that, but I think yeah, well, but like, I think that's. I mean, we always we always things. talk about this, but we we uh, we I mean, we always hope that um, through our discussions and rehearsals and and how we work on the music, we hope that the audience in a concert really. Um, get something out of that and and almost in a way i mean it's it's so abstract and weird to say but i you know we, we always hope that audience can feel something that we want to feel um does it doesn't have to be the same thing but a, a certain emotion that you get from it and and through that experience we share something together 
you know, it's not just a quartet thing. It's, I, I really think it's a communal thing where, you know, we, we want to share the experience together. Mm-hmm. And that's what I think musicians are really missing during this pandemic, because, you know, there's been some really wonderful, high quality video content put out there, some for free, some by subscription, um, some just by luck. <laughs> and I know that you worked with Stealth and Matt in Toronto, who are top notch. Um, if anybody in Ontario needs video and audio, please go to Stealth Ing and Matt Antle, because they are awesome. So Stealth, here's a shout out. <laughs> um, but this is what's missing, because although people can send you a comment or a note on YouTube or an email that they enjoyed your concert, you don't, it's not the same feeling, is it? No. Soon, my friends. Soon. <laughs> Soon, we hope. It'll, it'll come back. And um, that's, that's the challenge. And it, it, it requires everyone in this industry to be very creative about how people feel connected um, to concerts. And hopefully doing interviews and introducing people to the musicians does help as well. Um, so I happen to know that Lurie loves basketball. <laughs> And that she she is a Lakers and a Raptors fan and has two. Um, and I think we might have some Kobe Bryant fans in this quartet. <laughs> Do you, yeah, there we go. <laughs> Who isn't? Yeah. <laughs> Who isn't? Exactly. So I'm wondering, does the, do you each have a role model outside of music? <laughs> <laughs> Does it have to be outside of music and outside of basketball? <laughs> it can be outside of music. You can include basketball. Yeah, I told I told them that nobody could nobody could pick LeBron James because I called it. Um, I think yes. I think I think uh, he for me he's very inspirational because of the. I, I think we're all attracted in in our industry. We're all attracted to quality of work, and when you when you see somebody that that puts so much effort in and uh, perfects their craft to such a degree. It's, it's just something we really admire. Um, and so for me, that, that um, paired with the idea of like putting yourself on the line in terms of fighting for, you know, things like social justice and, you know, um, Black Lives Matter and things like that. Um, I, I think that that is really, for me, very inspirational. Um, to see somebody who's willing to 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 put a lot put a lot out there and at the same time be so focused on you know I think perfecting your craft is a little bit silly to say but I, in a way it, it it is that and I I think I really admire that so yeah for sure anybody else <laughs> any other non musical heroes well I guess I'll add on to that um, I love Kobe Bryant and obviously his Mamba mentality. Um, I, I was watching his documentary and stuff, and he's just, you know, just like LeBron James. It's just incredible how these amazing people can just, I don't know, like dedicate literally all their hours into their craft. And, and, it, and personally, it's very difficult, you know. I even, it's sometimes even hard to go out for a run. It's very difficult. Or like small things, and and how they can have such passion, and it, it's more about passion added onto discipline that they can you, you know hone their craft. And I uh, I think as individuals we can always uh, get inspired by that and learn from that. For sure, yeah. Larry or Yoshi, any non-musical heroes? Or someone who's not a Laker. 
Formerly. Michael Jordan. Oh my god. We're all basketball. Yeah, there's basketball fans in this group. I don't know. I mean, I'm honestly the only non-basketball fan here. So That's okay. Give it time. <laughs> no, you know what? There's an Aussie guy actually called um, Nick Vujic. I'm not sure if you know who he is, but he's. I think he does a lot of work now as a motivational speaker. But his story itself is actually very inspiring because he's he's one of those individuals that was uh, born without any hands or legs. And so you know when you hear his story, when you hear him talk on YouTube, you can find tons of videos about him. You know, you just you just sort of you're sort of humbled and you're sort of you know sort of uh, reminded of what you take for granted in life. But even for someone like him, he was able to just look at the positives of life and and not let his uh, so-called disadvantage be actually a disadvantage for him because he doesn't see it that way. And so that's for me very inspiring. I would say that is inspiring for sure. We have got to our rapid fire round of questions. Um, after we're almost at that round, we got one more sort of um, an important question, I think, for anybody making music these days. How are you um, engaging with living composers, and how is this an important part of the quartet's mandate? Um, so we haven't really explicitly set out, I would say, a mandate to play um, a significant number of pieces by living composers. That said, um, it's something that I think definitely interests us, and, and I think we're using it uh, partially as a vehicle to try to um, diversify some of our repertoire. So we are, we are talking a lot these days, as I think all of us should be um, kind of looking um, inward and thinking about... Um, how we make sure that the music we make um, uh, reflects the 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 audience um, uh, and not just the audience that comes to the concerts, but the potential audience of the nations we live in of Nor- in North America, and that it's as diverse as the population that that lives there. So, a couple of the things we're really interested in doing, um, for instance, we are working on a project to um, find music by female composers that goes across the um, a- across the musical spectrum so that it's not just modern music that also um, includes older music as well. So uh, we're kind of thinking of it as a playlist of music that starts with a Renaissance composer. Uh, we've been looking at this composer, Vittoria Aliotti. Um, and um, so we're thinking of doing some transcriptions of her madrigals. And then going through nice. each each musical period all the way through the present, and there's there's tons of great music through all of those periods, um, not just in in the modern era, but also including some great music like we talked about uh, the Elena Frank piece, Gabriella Elena Frank piece, um, which we really admire. We were talking about doing some music by Caroline Shaw, who is an, a wonderful composer. If you if your audience isn't familiar with her, um, so there's there's lots of composers where you can really think about. Um, you know, making sure that you're representing um, the, all the repertoire that's out there and not just, you know, what we think of as traditional string quartet repertoire. I have to agree. And Caroline Shaw is a fantastic composer to choose. Um, and she's written quite a bit for string quartet, so there's a lot to, lot to draw from. We've reached the fun rapid-fire round of questions. All right. Which recording, and we're going to go in order from high strings to low strings this time. So, Larry, are you ready? 
She's ready. She's waving. Okay. Um, Lurie, what's your favorite recording of the Beethoven cycle? Eben, their newest uh, Beethoven all over the world? All, over, all around the world. All, all around the world. Katoch Eben, wonderful. And Jason? Well, Lurie kind of stole a little bit from me, so I, I won't choose <laughs> Eben, but I, um, I'll say I, my favorite recording of the late quartets is the Brentano recording. And we're also, yeah, um, and we're also really enjoying right now the recent Belsha video recording of the, of the, um... You're stealing all the answers. I know, I'm and stealing all like, of some. I'm supposed to put one, yeah. I'm sorry. I mean, you started by stealing, okay, well, anyway, so there's that. <laughs> Hez and Yoshi, are there any answers left to give? Of course, absolutely. Um, I, I think the Alban Berg uh, cycle is amazing. That's the one I grew up with, the Alvenberg set. What about you, Yoshi? What's your favorite Beethoven cycle? I like the Clevelands. Hmm. Nice. All right. And um, I think Lurie's going to answer that she loves the food part of touring. <laughs> She's raising her hand. So, Lurie, let's start with you. What's your favorite part of going on tour? <laughs> I knew it. I, I just knew so well. I was like, she's going to say the food. Jason, what's your favorite part of going on tour? Well, if I don't answer differently, somebody else, you know, we'll, we'll all pick food. So um, <laughs> so I won't answer that. Uh, how about um, how, when you're out of your hotel, they'll make your bed for you so you don't have to do it in the morning. Oh, right. That's a good one. <laughs> Hez, what about you? What's your favorite part of going on tour? The concerts, of course. Oh. <laughs> Lame. Concerts, of course. That's a good one. And Yoshi, what about you? No, I gotta go with food. You're gonna go with food. Excellent. Well, when you come to Vancouver, we'll all welcome you for a wonderful meal. And now, there's the pros of touring with the food and the concerts and seeing new places, but there's also parts of touring that are not so fun. Lurie, what's your least favorite part of touring? Uh, I hate flights. I hate um. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I was gonna. I was gonna say trying to sleep on an airplane. Yeah. It's awful, isn't it? <laughs> it's legit impossible. <laughs> and has what's your least favorite part of touring? I think uh, the tight schedule and just making connections or just being able to have enough time that stresses me out. <laughs> yeah, it's stressful. And Yoshi, what about you? Jet lag. Jet lag. Yep. <laughs> so true it has been a true pleasure to catch up with the Rolston Quartet uh, two new members um, and it's just so great to see that you've found a way to practice in quarantine I'm sure the logistics are incredibly tricky um, but you've managed so well and it was a real treat to hear the, the Beethoven Opus 59 number one and I have very, very vivid memories of your Opus 59 number two finals performance in 2016. Uh, yeah. Lurie, you came out there like a boss. <laughs> it was just... <laughs> the whole quartet was boss, but Lurie, just something spoke to me. You just spoke directly to me that afternoon. It was it was fantastic. Yes. Hugs from, from very far. And I want to thank our guests for joining us today. <laughs> we hope to see them in Vancouver in in real life soon um, their website is available they have Facebook, Twitter, Instagram 
And you should listen to their recordings and purchase their recordings. If you're someone that has Spotify or Apple Music, this is a good way to support musicians right now. Put them on your playlist and, like, play it, play it, play it. Keep playing. And um, this is a good way to support artists right now. And we want to thank Tom Lee Music for providing this microphone for our podcast and 2X Education. And our audio producer is Mr. Josh Short. Thank you very much, everybody. Have Have a a great great afternoon afternoon in Toronto. Thank you. Thank you.